A partnership is explored in the past. Black K joins the team. Alliances are proposed and more as the Sky Guys are back to recap Chapter 4 of the Book of Boba Fett. All right, we are back here on the Sky Guys recapping Chapter 4 of the Book of Boba Fett, The Gathering Storm, and in my opinion, probably the best episode of the season so far. Joining us today, first up, the man whose voice you heard in the narration, as you do every week, Pete Constantori is here. Pete, how are you? Mike, I'm doing fantastic. Here with you guys again, talking Star Wars, like I say every week. Always a pleasure. Um, Book of Boba Fett, man, on a decline for me. Still going down. Uh, we'll talk about it later. Yeah, so Pete's still down this season. Yes, unfortunately, I am. Um, as I've said before, the scenes are cool, but the season in total, I am kind of down on it. All right, next up here... We're bringing the head of one of our crime families. Nick Freyetta is here. Nick, how are you? I'm doing great. Happy to be here again. Making this a nice Wednesday tradition. And uh, I'm with you, Mike. Favorite episode, trending upwards. Excited to get into it. All right. And as he mentioned in the episode, we had three different parties at the dinner. So we need a third person in here joining us. Our, our guest here, first appearance on The Sky Guys. Good friend of ours, Mike Pagan, is joining. Mike, how are you? Doing well. I'm uh, excited to be on with you guys. Um, yeah, I think you guys will teach me a little bit about Star Wars, probably some things I missed. I agree with you. I think it's probably the best episode of the season, but I don't think that means it was a good episode. All right, so let's go ahead forward here. And since we are on the topic here, as I did last time when Mike Brescia was here, Mike, I want to toss back to you since we've not talked to you yet about the Sky Guys, about the Book of Boa Fett. So I have heard you are generally down this season. So tell me what your your thoughts so far. Yeah, I've been um, incredibly disappointed so far in the season. I thought last week was one of the worst episodes of television I've ever seen in my life. Maybe a slight exaggeration, but I thought it was so bad. Um, yeah, I just, I, I don't, get what they're going for although this episode redeemed it a little bit in my mind yeah so in your opinion basically you feel like that we've wasted so much time here that even when they do something right it's kind of the not enough to outweigh all the negatives we've seen so far pretty much yeah it's almost i mean granted it's halfway through the season but it seems like it's too little too late and the cool ideas that they do have they're not exploring them enough or they're executing them poorly. All right. That makes some sense. And I think now that we should start diving into the episode here. And Pete, I know we started here with the flashback and we jumped forward quite a bit of time here. And we got to one thing we've been talking about for a while here, which is Boa Fett rescuing Fennec Shand. And we do see that we see the perspective. We know that those light flashes we see on the screen from Boa's perspective, that was Mando and I forget the other bounty hunter's name using the flashbangs to blind Fennec prior to shooting her. So are you glad we got to this point in the flashback? I am. I think this is um, way overdue, in my opinion, in the show. I think that the flashbacks that we've had have been a little drawn out. If you've listened to the podcast before, I've always been kind of iffy on the flashbacks um, and also the formatting of the show. Um, I do think this is a really nice touch. I think it brings together the Mandoverse, right? Mandalorian and also Book of Boba Fett very, very well. Um, 
we also get a little touch of that at the end of the episode, which we'll discuss later. Um, but I'm, I'm glad we got to that. So at least we're starting to get closer and closer to the current timeline so that we don't have to keep going too far back and kind of wondering where is this all going to meet. Yeah, I agree with that. And Nick, I know you saw this stuff happening here and picking up the Fennec situation. And we see here that she go that he goes, he brings her to basically the cyberpunk repair shop where I forget who the actor is. I think it's musicians playing the mod guys. Who's that? Thundercat. Yeah, Thundercat is playing our technician here. He gets paid to fix Fennec Shan. We finally see why she has all the cybernetic gut when we see her in Mando season two. So did you think it was cool getting that little bit of information? I did. And I think it shines more light on the characters from last season or last episode as they're more like rebellious teens. Cause the first thing anyone says to him when he's in there is you're too old to be in here. Yeah. I think it's supposed to be like a rebellious, like teen thing, uh, almost like, um, and yes, this pun is intended like a tattooing shop, tattoo <laughs> shop, kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, I think that this makes perfect sense, and I'm shocked we haven't gotten this in Star Wars earlier. Now that I'm thinking about it, they, like they're although it's considered a long time ago, you know, in a galaxy far, far away, their technology is clearly far superior to what we have on Earth now. And it's shocking to me that they have literally have droids that think for themselves and have minds of their own, and they never thought to combine that. Like people never thought, like why wouldn't I just take the droids eyes and use them as like, why would it's shocking to me that all these years have gone by in star Wars and we never experienced that or never saw that. And I, I still think the bikes were a little strange from last week. If you fit more on Coruscant, whatever, but those characters now make sense to me. Yeah. And Mike, were you surprised that we got the Tatooine tattoo part with Thundercat being the uh, main guy here? Yeah. I mean, it just felt kind of like what Nick was saying. It just felt out of place. I think I feel that way more so than he does now. It just felt weird. And the whole thing really did feel ripped straight out of cyberpunk. And I guess Thundercat, who I've never heard of um, in cyberpunk, the characters that augment you called Ripper Docs. And he was pretty much exactly that. Now, I'm not sure if this is something maybe in the comics from Star Wars that already exists, but it just, I don't know, it seemed seems strange and also i think when boba asked him if he's gonna cover up fennec like the the metal guts and he said no i mean technically speaking like shouldn't the sand maybe if it gets inside there like mess things up it just seemed a uh not the most practical decision yeah Pete, probably just a, you know he's just very confident abilities mr thundercat so i assume he said you know what my work is so good it's not gonna bother anything here yeah i mean it's it's always like the why cover up my art kind of thing. Yeah. Heard that many times in movies and in different aspects. Um, you know, I have to agree with, with, um, with Mike on this. It was, it was out of place in a way that fit, which is kind of weird to say, like it, it makes sense that that's what would happen in this show, but it's still out of place in star Wars. Um, you know, like Nick was saying, you know, we get Anakin Skywalker gets the cybernetic arm, you know, because he's, it's chopped off and everything and and we get stuff like that but we don't get people trying to enhance their bodies with cybernetics um so you would think that would be there and that's why it fits but it's also out of place because you've never really seen it before um you know i keep forgetting that fennec is also a cyberpunk power ranger in a way <laughs> um we just need to get her the bike but yeah no it's uh, 
it's it's fitting, but it's not. It's just it just kind of confuses me a bit. It fits, but it belongs in the underworld of Coruscant. Yeah, the, the setting definitely. That's, yeah, that's it belongs with the Mar. What are their names? Those awful the Martez sisters. Yeah, the Martez sisters. Yeah, that's where it belongs. Tatooine's a weird spot to be doing all this in because it just Tatooine's always like that deserted kind of planet, in my opinion. Yeah. So all the stuff to be happening, it's like okay, maybe they're trying to be like, hey, look, Tatooine's not really that planet that you saw in movies, and it also just doesn't fit. Like Nick is saying, Coruscant's probably a better fit for that. Yeah, for sure. And Nick, I did think also the instinct thing you talked about last week when we peak coined them the cyberpunk power rangers that the analogy made a lot of sense but i thought about it after the fact because you look at it, basically these are basically teenagers with attitude who have different colored bikes who work for a bald man who likes to sleep in a metal in a tube full of liquid so it made perfect sense the analogy it does and you mention them it makes me think about something that's kind of been happening a lot this season it didn't happen in this episode but the whole reason that he went to go see them was the guy who complained about the water right yeah and they keep talking about water. It's been a theme in the show forever. This is the only episode they didn't bring it up. It's about how Tatooine used to be filled with water. This guy wants water. Do you think that's something to do with Camino? I think it does. Because I've heard people say that the ending is going to be Tatooine getting flooded, which doesn't make any sense because we see Tatooine and the Rise of Skywalker and it's not flooded. So that doesn't make any sense. But you think, you think it has to do with like Camino and like his past, I guess? Yeah, Mike, I have to think that's the connection because we keep seeing those flashbacks of him as a kid on Camino watching his dad fly away on the ship, which we'll discuss the naming controversy yeah. later on. But what do you think about but that? He, and he can't go back to Camino because no. Camino's gone. Yeah. So. Yeah, Mike, would you agree with that point that Nick made? Yeah, I think he's probably on point. Um, I just, I, I hate anything. The flashbacks. It's just, I get 80s traumatized and then whatnot, but. And watching through the window in the rain. Yeah. Watching the ship fly away. I'm over it. <laughs> yeah, I think you and Pete both are over it. But we'll move forward here. We do get a little bit of the relationship between Fennec and Boba getting developed here. We see that Fennec says, like, hey, like, what do I owe you for saving me? And Boba says, like, we're going to go on a mission here. We're going to get my ship back. My ship has basically been taken by Bib Fortuna. It's in Jabba's palace. And he basically talks about, like, you do this, like your your debt is paid with me. You're paid with me. So, Pete, were you excited that this was the mission here we got going? No. <laughs> I we just from the trailer, we know he's got to get his ship back from Mandalorian. We know he has to get his ship back. So sure, I'm excited to see how he did get it back, but like it I just feel like I know what happens. He's gonna get a ship. It's not like there's anything that's gonna happen differently, in my opinion. Um the scene was cool. Again, I, I this show, if you break it down by scene, is, is a very it's a, it's a pretty good show. But if you break it down by by episode and, and you know a season as a whole, it's just it's just lackluster in my opinion uh, so far. Like I said, it the ship seeing it is cool, but like we already got that. Like I feel like that wow factor is already gone because we got in the Mandalorian. Like if this is the first time we were seeing the ship and him getting it back. Okay cool like wow he finally got it back but like since we saw it already it's kind of like yeah we know like cool he's gonna get it back no problem uh fennec's gonna stay by his side you know like it's just it just all seems like we know what's gonna happen and it just doesn't happen any in any interesting way yeah i think the more interesting part was not the mission mike i think it was sort of the conversation where we finally get to the root of what's going on with 
why Boba wants to rule the underworld. Something I've been complaining about since episode two of the show, saying, hey, like, do we know why he actually wants to do this? Why he wants to rule the underworld? He basically says, like, you know, I'm tired of working for idiots who are going to get us all killed for not doing the job correctly. And you can make more money working together and cooperating and just getting revenge on Bib Fortuna for basically screwing him over and not helping him out if he gets out of the pit. So we think about getting to see some of Boba's motivations. I thought that was good. I mean, it, it makes sense. I think anyone really who works and maybe has a boss or they've had bosses who, I don't know, maybe they feel that they're more intelligent than or that they have more common sense and can run things better than their bosses do can probably relate to that. But yeah, I mean, it, it's it's good to see why he wants to do it. Um and I thought this is the strongest part of the episode, seeing their uh, relationship develop. But I do agree with Pete in that the inherent problem in any sort of flashback or prequel is that you know the outcome. So the dramatic tension is just not really there, especially when the only two characters, I guess two protagonists, you you know they live. So there's no new characters in that scene where you might be worried about their fate. So I feel like the show loses a lot by by focusing so much on that. Uh, Nick, what do you think of the revelation here, Boa's decision here about why he wants to rule the Tatooine underworld? I think it makes sense. Exactly what uh, Mike Pagan had just mentioned with like your boss and all that. Um, something you did not mention, Mike. Well, first off is they, they refer to the ship as I'm, the I'm fire spray. I'm getting to that. Are you going to explain why it makes sense and why people shouldn't be mad? Yeah, I believe it's the model of the ship. Yes, I'm not going to call. I'm not going to say I'm looking for my car, and someone says, "What car is it?" And I'm going to say, "I'm going to say it's a Ford," and that's what it is. I'm not going to say it's Abby, but I call it as a nickname. No one would know what that is. <laughs> of course, he's not going to say the slave one. Fennec doesn't know what a slave one is. It's a yeah. nickname. That's number one. But she had mentioned, or he had mentioned to her that the Tuscan Raider camp was wiped out. Yes. When they're there. And the first thing she says is, there's no way those bikers did that. And she's right, because they didn't. Yeah. The pikes did that. We know that's that's what I'm getting at. The, the, they got rid of the bikers quickly in this. We'll get to that. But that's because they're not the main villains of even the flashbacks. Yeah. So, but the idea of them sitting behind the fire, this and that, it was cool. And then um, we see the light flashing which tells us that where we are on the timeline, but something I've seen online today is we were not, we didn't jump forward in this episode timeline, which I thought we did. So didn't you? Yeah, I thought we did. I thought like the Tuscan camp. The, thing the idea like, is we jumped forward last episode. Yeah. And he was with the Tuscans for years. And then they died. And when he was walking past, uh, what is her name? You know, the one, the one from episode five. Uh, uh, Pelimato. When he was walking past her, she was literally walking to meet Mando. So th this all takes place, last episode and this episode flashbacks, during episode five of Mandalorian. That's what they're saying. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. That's what, they, that's what they're saying is the timeline. So we didn't jump forward now. We jumped forward last episode, and we're caught up with the Mando timeline now, season one, that is. Yeah, and I think based, we'll get to more of that later. Makes sense. It makes sense. And Pete, you think about, you think about that theory. You think that makes sense? It does, you know. I doesn't really matter. But yeah, it was, uh, like it makes sense, but like at, at this point, we kind of know they're 
coexisting in the same universe and, and timeline. I mean, I don't think Disney was going to make a book of Boba Fett storyline after introducing Boba Fett in Mandalorian and not have it to do in the same time frame, or at least have Mandalorian show up at some point. Um, so it, it, it makes sense. I mean, at least they're getting that part right. Or it seems like they are. Yeah. But it also makes more sense, Mike, when you think about it like this, if, let's say what we thought was true going into today, uh, going into like this discussion was true. That means the Tuscan Raiders died and Boba did nothing for four years. And then we catch up with him four years later. And he's like, I should get my ship back. It makes more sense that he went to like do something immediately. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that does it. Cause he does go off riding the Bantha Mike last episode. And then we see him set the Bantha free and he doesn't go have Bantha babies. I did think that cracked me up. Yeah, that was, that's good. Boba Fett, uh, Bantha lover. I gotta say the guy the guy does have a weird fascination with just riding things. <laughs> riding the Bantha, wants to ride the Rancor. Um going back to the uh to the timeline thing, I feel like the show did a poor job of showing just how much time has passed. I mean, I guess you kinda you figure it out this episode, but I mean if it was years, I guess I don't really know how Tuscan Raiders uh how they age, but I mean that the kid Tuscan Raider kind of stayed the same the entire time. So I feel like they could have shown the passage of time a bit more clearly than, than what they did. Yeah. Pete, my was a good point. Like how can we didn't see the teenage version of Tuscan Raider kid? Because that sort of also throws the timeline into question again. I mean, here's my other question. Was he shaving at the camp? Why couldn't you throw a beard on the guy? Right. You could throw a beard on Boba Fett and at least, you know, six months, five, like put a, Big beard on him just to show, like, hey, I've been here, no shaving equipment or whatever. I don't know how they do it in Star Wars. I, I feel like there's a lot of ways you could have done it. I just don't think they were thinking that way. I think they were thinking, let's put, you know, five pounds of crap in a two pound bag. Dumb question. You know how, like, Anakin got his hair burned off and all that? Yeah. If your face is burned, can you grow a beard? Well, that's fair. Would it, would it come in? What would happen? Where does it go? It could be patchy, even if anything. Maybe. I mean, what was Boba Fett's face burn? When he went in the, in the pit, I guess. But but he was wearing his armor. Yeah, he's, so he's, it shouldn't be that bad, like like nearly as bad as Anakin's, but he still has some burn. That's fair. I mean, same thing with this. You could say the same thing with his head, like why he didn't grow any hair on his head. But again, some people do go bald and still have a beard. So that's a little more believable, I would say. But no, it's a good point. Yeah. Mike, I have a thought on this. I don't know if you agree with me on this in terms of why we didn't have Boba Fett grow a beard. I think this has nothing to do with any sort of like actual canon reason of the show. I think this is sort of ties to the whole extended universe thing. I feel like I don't know how much familiar with Rebels you are. And we last saw Commander Rex. Rex had a beard. And I feel like if we're ever going to bring Rex into live action, we're going to have 10 more in playing with the beards. I don't want to confuse the audience. And that possibly eventually shows up. That is very true. I was actually thinking about uh rex possibly showing up i was like oh that'd be cool and then i was like wait it's gonna be the same actor though my cat like, would they but i guess yeah the visual distinction of having a big beard would would separate them yeah i just think that way they're not confusing the audience and they're gonna say wait like he had a beard and now he's a different guy i feel like they're gonna try to avoid probably having both that be clean shaven the whole time yeah no that that definitely makes sense and that would be cool to uh to have him in the show yeah, I don't think we're going to have him, though. And, Nick, let's get to, I mean, the ship controversy here. We've You've seen all the Twitter streets, and now everyone is screaming about how Boa Fett called the ship the Fire Slayer. 
and fire spray ship and everyone's going, oh my god, it's Slave 1, Disney's canceling everything, this is terrible, this is, everything is ruined, so you want to go a little more into that? Well, I mentioned it before, you're not going to call it, you're not going to call it by, some people name their cars, I thought that was ridiculous, but people name their cars, so you name your car Julie, I don't know, and it's a Ford, I'm not going to tell someone I never met before, oh, hop in Julie, like, say, get in the Ford, get in the car, so it makes sense, but um, also, I mean, let's get real, they they are kind of canceling it and that's why they did that like deep i mean yeah they can explain it with a reason but that's why they did that so they don't have so they don't have to say slave one yeah um i noticed tell me if you noticed this i don't i, I rarely bring this stuff up because i don't care the green screen for that ship was terrible <laughs> awful when they showed it i was like that's clearly a set that was awful it was a terrible screen as a second time I brought this up in this show, and I never mentioned that kind of stuff because I usually don't care. I don't notice. Like even in like the Phantom Menace, I didn't care because I was like, all right, this is as far as we can do te- technologically speaking. So who cares? But now nowadays it's not excusable. It's not excusable anymore. Back then it was it was a little excusable because we didn't have the technology. Yeah, Pete, I know you complained last week about the CGI and a couple of things. So I'll give you that one. And did it bother you that we took the name off the ship? Uh, it didn't bother me. It took me off the ship, like like Nick said. There was there's a reason for it. They didn't just give it a random name, like the butterfly or something like that. Like they didn't go crazy. They actually gave it the model um, of the ship, so at least they kept it consistent. You know, thinking about this, I feel like their budget was spent elsewhere. I mean, they are working on Ahsoka. They are work, they're working on Obi Wan, um, Mando three. Yeah, so like I just I feel like they got a budget. And, you know, I still think, you know, we said this last week, I still think Book of Boba Fett's just going to be a one season and done kind of thing. Um, I don't think we're going to continue. If we do, it just, I feel like we're going to drag it out. But again, who knows? The end of the season may present more opportunistic uh, timelines than what we're seeing right now. Um, I just I just don't think they had the budget for it. I think they picked and choose where they put that budget. And honestly, costume design probably got the bulk of the budget. I'm going to be honest with you, just with everything we're seeing and, and the cybernetic, you know, on, on, on people and stuff. I think that's where the bulk of the budget and the CGI went. And then the rest was just kind of like, we'll do what we can with it. Okay. Mike, to round this out here, did the ship getting his name removed being called the fire spray ship? Did that bother you? Uh, I mean, not really. Like everyone's been saying, I see the reason why they would do it. But like my only question would be, I know Nick was saying, you know, you wouldn't call it's like, oh, hop in Julie or whatever. But I mean, slave one, is that because I mean Boba Fett's like an infamous bounty hunter. Yeah. Is slave one like something that's known? Is that name known to other a good question. characters? Like that that's part of his aura and mystique. Like, oh, Boba Fett's coming after you in slave one. It kind of strikes fear into your heart. So I mean, that's just kind of theorizing it doesn't really have a practical effect on anything but again i mean i, I could see why they got rid of uh slave one yeah you say in canon you know, is rebranding so he's saying you know like i'm going a different model so this is not going to be the slave one anymore it's something else i'm just going to call the name later yeah i guess yeah he's, he's kind of the new and improved but the foot this is time and the starlock pit changed him a little bit okay. so and he said, he said he wanted to get away from bounty hunting and all that so like i said it's kind of a, a rebranding of himself yeah I, before we move on this i'm gonna weigh in here and just just say this to the people who are whining about the name of the ship on here 
sat through episode nine, which was horrendous. We sat through episode eight, which <laughs> half the audience hated. We sat through the prequels, when most of them were pretty bad. And we're whining about the name of the ship? Come on now. Yeah, like I said last week, we got to the point where people are going to complain about the name of the ship in the weekly live-action tele- uh, Boba Fett TV show. <laughs> I mean, 10 years ago, tell me there's a live-action Boba Fett show, and you're going, jumping up and down, never complaining about the name of the ship. Yeah, I mean, seriously. What the hell's going on out here? Like, this is what we're complaining about. The show itself is not overall good. I think we can acknowledge that. But the biggest problem we come up with from the audience is that the ship's name got changed, Pete. I mean, I'm not surprised, to be honest with you. I'm not trying to be rude to anyone that that, that is complaining about. But there's people out there that loved episode nine. Just going to put that out there. So it just, it makes sense. It makes sense. There's just, everyone has their own opinion. Everyone has their, their feelings about the show. Look, even the beginning of this podcast, I said, I, I think this show's on a decline. And, and you know, Mike, yourself and Nick uh, Phillips and Nick said that this this is this is a this is a great episode, the best episode yet. And that you're excited for the future of Boba Fett. Everyone's perceiving it differently. I couldn't care less what the ship was called, even if they called it the butterfly. OK, great. It's Boba Fett's ship. Uh, he calls it whatever the hell he wants. He's Boba Fett. I don't care. Yeah, he called the Django for all I care. I wouldn't it wouldn't bother me. Should. Yeah, Good name. He should. Should honor his dad. Yeah. Well, he does by wearing his armor, I guess. Yeah, I think that's definitely a point. I think now we get to the point where we're going back inside the palace to steal the ship. We have the stealth mission going on here. And I think Mike starting in the kitchen was an interesting choice where we see the two uh like kitchen droids having to fight Boba and Fennec. Yeah, I, I hated those droids. Um I hate that the little one, especially I don't know if that was the the rat catcher yep. droid they were talking mm-hmm. about. Uh, that thing annoyed me to no end because oh, making me so mad. But he turned himself I mean, off, Mike. I'm sorry. He turned himself off. Oh, yeah. I just uh, I don't know. It's just like I get the it's almost like a at a moment of levity yeah. to a little bit, but it was just a little too goofy for my liking. Yeah. Nick, were you a fan of General Cleavis as the, as the uh, Internet has come to call him? No, I liked all the droids because all of them had a callback. Yeah. Um, obviously, the one guy was like Grievous. The other one was from Return of the Jedi. He said he said to R two, he's like he assigned him the drink order, yeah. something like that. And he's like, you'll learn respect. And then the other, the little guy was from the Clone Wars. Yeah. It's like seeing him hop around again. And then, which we, I guess we, I don't know if you guys, I guess I'm assuming no, you didn't pick up on. I know I have like two or three of these every episode that I picked up on. When Fennec uses the uh, machine to get through the pipes, you know what I'm talking yeah. about, to get in, they play this exact audio that they play when Anakin chops off Dooku's head. Yeah. Oh. And then they play it again when he, he chops off the General Grievous droid thing, which is pretty cool. I like that they do that callback. Yeah, Pete, did the kitchen scene get you, get you excited at all? No. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it simple. This episode didn't get me excited at all. <laughs> at all. I, good episode. Best one of the season by far, but I I was falling asleep. I got to be honest with you. I was I was dozing off, and I, I don't think that was ever possible for me. Even I didn't even doze off during episode nine and eight of Star Wars, so the movie. So I, I just I, I feel bad saying it, and I know I sound like such a, a grump on this podcast when it comes to the show. I, it just wasn't exciting for me. 
it's all stuff I knew was going to happen. It's all stuff that, I mean, I, hell, I think I predicted this, you know, the Fennec, you know, Fennec was going to be in the, in the, in the uh, flashback and everything. I, it's, it's sad for me to say it, but I just, it, this show, I think I'm mentally checked out of the show already. I, I just don't, I just don't think it can redeem itself. And it's, I'm trying my best to be unbiased about it and just taking it for what it is, but we are more than halfway through, right? We're, we're kind of, this was like kind of the middle episode and I'm just kind of like, I don't even know what the hell they can do in three episodes to add storyline to the current and the flashback and like actually make it, make it make sense. Yeah. I also think uh, in terms of going forward here, I do think like we see the fight at the end of this, Mike, where they're in the hangar trying to get on the ship and basically mowing down a bunch of guards and we see a couple Camorians in there. Do you think any of these two or the two, the two guys that you have now working for Boba Fett, do you think they're all, Back there a couple months ago, just working for Bib, trying to keep him from stealing the ship. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess it could be. They all kind of look the same, right? I don't, they don't really have any distinguishing features. And I don't know how you'd really find it out since they can't speak. Yeah. And like, they, they don't use subtitles for whatever language they are speaking. But I mean, I guess it, it could be. And Nick, would that make you? Would that be anything worth celebrating? We find that out later on. Yeah, <laughs> if that's the biggest reveal of the show, I'd be very disappointed. I do. Um, I do say though, Fennec, you, Fennec in that fight was ridiculous. Yes, yeah, did you hear she she called them Slimos, which yep. is what Anakin calls um, Savoba and yep. the Pod Race and Phantom Menace. That was cool. That means slime ball. Yeah, that was cool to see. Um, I I think. And you could probably all disagree with me, but I think how easily they snuck in there with more people than there are now. I don't think there's any question that Black K was able to sneak in there easily last week. Yeah, I think I think that was pretty obvious. There's obviously more than one door. They, I think they got in there fairly easily. There's more people in there. That's why they ended up getting caught and had a shootout because there's I don't know how many people are in there now because there's a full mob. It's like dozens. You know, boss in there. Yeah. Now nowadays there's only seven people we've run over last week. So I don't think it was crazy that he snuck in there last week. But the shootout was really cool. Fennec's a beast. Um, yeah, it was really awesome sequence. I just have one gripe, but I'm gonna save this gripe for when we talk about the pit. Uh, we're getting to the pit because now we go forward here, we see that they steal the ship. And then they go on the Boba Fett revenge tour, I like to call it, where they use Slave One to basically mow down all the bikers, like they're shooting womp rats like, out, out in the desert. And then we get to the, the Sarlacc pit, which Pete, I think I know where Nick is going, this is great, but this bothers me. He's like, how does Boba Fett not remember that he had his armor on when he got out of the, out of the pit? I was just about to say that. The, the, the dude leaves with armor on, wakes up with no armor on. Did he think it just rolled off him and fell back into the pit? I just curious i just i don't poor writing i mean i just i just don't who knows it's also might be i don't know who directed this this episode compared to the others maybe someone's trying to fix something and they're like well we have to you know figure out a way to have boba start questioning where his armor is and we have to do that by saying oh it's in the sarlacc pit oh wait no it's not where could it be so there's a lot that it could be in the background it just it it's another one of those moments in this season that just makes zero sense. And that's all I got to say about that. Nick, was that the gripe that you were going to say there? 
It wasn't. That's a gripe. It wasn't the gripe. Um, someone tried to explain it online, some video I watched, and the guy said that when he got out of the pit, he passed out, so he didn't remember if he had... Like, that's that's a load of crap. Like, like come on. It's, it's, that's... He literally you know. says he used his armor to get out of the pit. Yeah, his- he... That's... <laughs> um, but, no, the gripe, if you want to know, uh, I want... Well, can you finish the the scene like what happened in it so i can so i can say my gripe because it doesn't take yeah. place with going there it, my gripe is what happens when we're there yeah and mike i will throw one really wackadoo theory out here is boba getting high on the melon water here but now he's forgetting things i mean it's possible when he told fennec to do it he said like you know you have it you'll start craving it so it clearly has some addictive property maybe some maybe something else to it um, just to touch on what uh, Pete was talking about, it seemed like him thinking his armor is in the pit was just an excuse for them to be able to do what they do next and go inside the Sarlacc pit. And it's a terrible reason, and it's really sloppy just say, and couldn't, story could, Couldn't he just say he wanted revenge the way he did in the biker gang? Like, they didn't have to do that. Yeah, all he had to do is go there and say, you know, I want to kill the Sarlacc and just drop a seismic charge. Right, and that would have made sense, though. Yeah, and... Yeah, so my gripe. Yeah. Why is... Now, I understand he's flying the ship, so that's why she's doing the shooting. And he's flying the ship. That's why she drops the charge. Why does he do nothing and she does everything? That's the theme. Why did she, yeah. Why does she drop the seismic charge in? She's the one who does it. She's the one shooting everyone. The only time we've seen him kick ass is in the bar. And in the bar, he definitely. I, this makes sense as to why the Pikes were doing the ones who killed the Tuscan Raiders. Because in the bar, he kicked ass, but everyone saw who it was. They knew who it was because he had the Tuscan Raider stick. stick. So they go, okay, it was the Tuscan Raiders. That's why they did that. So, like. They're like, oh, hey, Pikes, um, this guy did this to us, and he was holding Tusken Raider things, so let's get rid of the Tusken Raiders. So uh, the only time he's kicked ass is in that bar. Yeah, and we'll get to why I think they kind of hand wave that away at the end of the uh, flashback sequence. But, Mike, like, how did Star like not die when both really shoots fire through its side at the beginning of the series? Yeah, I, I thought it was dead. Because even, even the shot, I think when he gets out, you see, like, look like tentacles or something just kind of laying there on the sand and it wasn't moving, wasn't doing anything. So yeah, I, I thought it was dead in after the first episode. Yeah. Pete, do you think that they're going to go back to soccer a third time here? And the, the seismic charge didn't kill it either. I just don't know when they're going to have the time to do it. Um, I, I hope not. If they go back to the Sarlacc pit a third time, in this show, it's they're grasping the straws. They really just couldn't put any good ideas together, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I just that whole scene just made no sense to me, right? What Nick was saying, why is Boba Fett just sitting there doing nothing again, just making him look weak, like he doesn't know what the hell's going on? I, I, I can't, I, I don't understand the back and forth between Boba Fett being a competent bounty hunter. To, I am literally useless and helpless. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't get it. I don't mind it. I mind it because of what happened in Mando. Yes. If he sucked in Mando too, and he and it's like okay, it took a toll on him in the pit. I get it. He just changed man. Fine, but he kicked ass in the tragedy episode. 
But even but even in this episode, he kicked ass in the bar. Where did where did all this True. go? Where sure, I, if if they never showed him kick ass, I'd be completely fine with all of this. I don't mind that he went from being a badass to like a more of a godfather. I don't mind it, but you can't show both. They're flip-flopping. And even in this season, they're flip-flopping. And it just, it, I, I don't know. That's the discrepancy that really bothers me when it comes to Boba Fett. Yeah, Mike, I think the thing that would also bother me also just shows you how terrible the Stormtroopers are that basically 25% Boba Fett kicks their ass in Mando season one, season two. Yeah, major indictment on uh, Stormtroopers as a fighting force. Um, I, I agree with, I mean, with, with what everybody's, saying so far is that he Boba Fett in this show is like the least proactive protagonist I have ever seen in a show. Like he really, he just reacts to things around him said he gets beat up most of the time. And it's again, like yeah, no consistency whatsoever. It's just whatever, I guess the scene requires him to be. That's what he is. So in the bar, he's this badass, you know, he, destroys them and then he gets beat up in the next scene because that's what the scene needs and yeah it's hard to relate to a character who's so wildly inconsistent and especially a character that had such a mystique built up as boba fett it just magnifies the whole thing yeah, Nick, sort of steal the survivor reference here. Sort of feels like this is Superman in a fat suit, basically. See what's happening here with uh Boba Fett. Yeah, and we've gotten far enough in the show now that there's not like if it happened for an episode and you like when you know, then it may I don't know. It's just it's it's happened too many times now to be a coincidence. A little upsetting. But I think because we came out of that flashback and the droid said he's fully healed, we should be done with flashbacks. You would think. Yeah, I think I don't think I don't think it guarantees it, but I think you should be done because Fennec did mention something about him healing internally still. We never got a resolve on the flashbacks from Camino. So it might not be over. Maybe he goes in there anyway because he feels comfortable, but I think it's over. Yeah, I would think it's over here. And they mentioned it's a hundred percent that he's told he's fully healed and it sounds like since that was our trickery device, the flashbacks are probably done with them. So Pete, now we have the flashback portion of the season done. Give it a grade. The flashback? Just the flashback. The flashback alone, I mean, I would are we doing numbers or letters? Are we doing no, this grade? I say numbers, like we do zero to ten. All right. I, I would give it a seven. I mean cool concepts, and I understand why they're doing it, but again, not surprising. Not something that I'm sitting at the edge of my seat going, what's going to happen next? I knew exactly what was going to happen. Um, once I saw that he found Fennec, I kind of figured, okay, this is how their relationship builds. What exactly happened? We saw some cool parts, some lackluster parts. So I'll give the the, the flashback when it comes to other flashbacks a seven. Uh, Mike, you want to grade the flashback story on, on its lonesome going from episode one to now? Yeah, I mean, yeah, taken by itself, I'd, I'd probably give it a six. Like, there's some cool scenes, the uh, some not great scenes. But yeah, I mean, again, in the larger context of the show and how everything's flowing, it would bring the grade down significantly. But viewed on its own, I'd say a six. Yeah, Nick, what about you? Five. The flashbacks are what killed the show for me. You know that. I hate 
you know, I said it last week, very harsh way. I hate the Tuscan Raiders. So I was happy that they were all brutally, brutally murdered. But um, I feel the flashbacks completely ruined the timing of the show and everything felt weird and the pacing. So I would rather have just seen the show in order. So in, but, but to your point, if the flashbacks were just the show and stuff, most people said they would like it. I wouldn't. I think the Tuscan Raiders stuff was really, really bad. I hated it. It's funny because most people, not anyone particular here, but most people like in on the internet and the world, the Tuscan Raider thing was like beautiful to them. And they felt like him dancing with the Tuscans was the best thing in Star Wars. I was like, this is awful. I hated episode two as a whole, as my least favorite episode. Most people, it was their favorite. It's kind of funny. I'm going to give it a 7 myself. I'm with P. I think as a whole, I think the storyline works in the flashback. You take it on its own. I get that it drags the season down as the pacing is way skewed. Like this episode was also two-thirds spent in the flashback and a third in the present timeline. But I think, again, as I said earlier, I think this is basically the concept of what the Boa Fett movie was going to be before Solo bombed the box office. It got canceled. They sort of shoved it in here. I think if this had been made a movie, we'd put some different things in there and pad it out. I think it would have been a fun movie, Mike. Yeah, I'm, it could have been. Honestly, I think that Mando is what a Boba Fett show should have been. Yeah. But I think I read this on Reddit, but like in reverse, where he starts off with like small bounties, kind of getting back into it, and then works his way up to larger and larger ones until he gets to something huge that ties into the big storyline. Obviously, they didn't do that, but... Now, we'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes. We will go forward now into the present for the rest of the episode, for the rest of the show. So we start out, we go down to Madame Garza's cantina. We see Black K there. He gets pissed off by Trandoshans. As Nick mentioned a while ago, that the Wookiees hate the Trandoshans. He gets into a big bar fight. Madame Garza fails to stop it, and he get, a Trandoshan gets his arm ripped off. Nick, did this intrigue you at all? Yeah, that was great. Um, we know a couple things about that historically that, Makes sense. Number one is Black K used to be a warrior. We learned that from, um, what is her name? Madam Garza. Madam Garza. Learned that. You learned that from her. Number two, we know that the Trandoshans grow back their limbs. So him growing off, that, picking that arm off, isn't that big of a deal? Like the guy will grow it back. I feel like he was dead, though, don't you? It looked like he was they lost and, it looked like he was dead, but apparently that happens all the time to them. Like they, they take an arm off and just grows but not not immediately, but it grows back. It's not a big deal. Yeah. And then uh the, the reason they hate each other is because the Wookiees used to be enslaved by them. So makes perfect sense that even though she's saying your bar tab will be free, it's like I don't care about my bar tab. Like they used to enslave us as a species, like he's going down. And I know it was kind of funny seeing a Wookiee in the bar drink. I know, I know we saw Chewie do that in like A New Hope, but it just, it just seemed different. I don't know. Yeah, him chugging the uh, mug, Mike. Yeah, because of the seeing, chugging. That's why. Yeah, yeah. chugging the market mug and seeing all the beer spill down his beer spill down his fur was fun. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's, um, I guess we got we got confirmation that that was Max Rebo. Yeah, we kind of knew, but this is confirms it considering she calls him Max. That's cool. Let me go to Mike for a second here. Mike, we know this is a Disney Plus show. Did it bother you how there's absolutely zero blood when the guy's arm got ripped off? I mean, <laughs> yes, but also 
you know, it's a Disney plus show. Like at least when there's a show that has or any Star Wars thing with the Jedi, it makes sense because the lightsabers basically cauterize the wound, so no blood. It's like, okay, you can get it. But yeah, ripping off someone's arm, there should be blood. I guess, although you don't know the the physiology of Trandosians. But uh, no, I, I like the scene. I think Black K sort of redeemed himself from getting uh, a little hemmed up by, what do you guys call them? The cyberpunk Power Rangers? Yep. Or, yeah, that's what we call them. I think, I think the show referred to them as the mods well, this week. To us, they're the po- Cyberpunk Power Rangers. That name stays permanently. The mods is from something. I don't know what it's from. If you it's guys a, know. It's a reference. It's from something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say, though, just a little bit off topic, I've never hated anyone more real or fictional than I hate those characters. Like, <laughs> Which the Trandoshans? No, the, no, the uh the Cyberpunk Power Rangers. Oh, oh. Uh, blood boiling anger. Oh my I I won't get into it because they're not in this episode, but Yeah, you dodge the bullet, like they're not here. Those specific yeah, no, ones I'm... that work for him or all the people who enhance themselves? Um just those, what is it, the four of like them? Five, four or five, yeah. Yeah, four. specifically was just uh, and they all have their own little special weapons too. It's just oh my god, it, okay. the whole thing killed me. Yeah, and Pete, I want to get credit to Boa Effect. Apparently, listen to our podcast in between episodes here, and we said last week, why don't you recruit Black K to work for you? And then all of a sudden, he goes to Black K and says, "Hey, you want a job?" So I thought it was funny at the time that worked out like that. That was the most horrible part of this episode. <laughs> yeah. The most horrible part, and I'll tell you why. We literally talked about this for like a half an hour last week about why it's important that he didn't go up to him. And said, hey, you should work for me. This was the perfect layup for him to return when shit went down and be like, hey, I remember what you did for me. I'm here. And then the next season, whatever they decide to do, I'm working for you. They literally did a full 180 within 10 minutes of current timeline footage in two episodes. They literally did a 180. If this was in the same episode of just current timelines, it would make no sense. They ruined the possibility of him being a surprise callback or whatever you want to call it at the end of the season. And now it just looks cheap. Yeah, Nick, do you have a problem with how quickly they went back on that story? I have more of a problem that he didn't just do it last week. Yeah. He was right there and talking to the guy. The huts were leaving. He's standing right there and be like, hey, you want a job? You just, you just recruited the Power Rangers. Why can't you just recruit him? Like, why do you have to wait a week? It was obvious he was coming. And I don't think he was going to be, ever be the big callback because we know, well, now we know someone else is coming. And we also know that the, the, the Tuscan Raider girl is still coming. Yeah. So it's like, how many people are going to show up in the final fight? You know what I mean? Yeah, Mike, did that bother you? going to be like an Avengers Endgame portals <laughs> and one coming through? Yeah, yeah, Mike, did that bother you how quickly they reversed the storyline here? All of a sudden, oh, now we can need Black K to work for us. Yeah, it's just it's just weird storytelling. If he said like they leave it off, we were like, oh, this guy's gonna show up and come back, and you know, Deus Ex Machina probably come save the day. But no, it's just yeah, like he said, literally like ten minutes in the current timeline, he comes back. It's like, oh hey, yeah, you want a job? Yeah. And Black is just like, yeah, sure, why not? It's just yeah, it's just weird. I don't. I don't get it. The, the whole shows, show lacks yeah, He shows tension. up to kill them. He shows up as the bad guy. Then he tries to kill him. Then he sets him free. And then he joins forces all within a half an hour of 
real time. He took a nap. Episodes and then he got two, three, and four. Yeah, he, yeah, Pete took a nap, and they say, you know what? That was, I, pro- I made a mistake. I go fix it. I mean, it seems like Boba Fett only hires or asks people if they need a job if they're being a menace to society, right? <laughs> so, like, like trying to kill him, no problem. But you start messing with the bar. You want a job? What? what? <laughs> Same thing with the, the Cyberpunk Power Rangers. Honestly, it would make those characters better if they were all on skateboards. Actually, make them worse, I should say. But it, it just, it's cutter now, right? It's the, the Cyberpunk Power Rangers are giving problems to the people around, even though they weren't at fault that we determined. Fine. You want to work? So you're out as, you know, not doing the wrong thing in society? Okay, you have a job. Same thing with Black K. Hey, you're you're messing with Madame Garza's bar. You're messing with the people that are just sitting there doing nothing. Want a job? He just tried like it. He just tried to murder you. You said, hey, don't work for, you know. Bad people. And then within, like I said, 10 minutes of the current timeline, I think you need a job. What? what? I don't I don't I don't know. I the, the, every time I try to get like wrap my brain around this reasoning of this show, it starts to like smoke. I, I just it just I could smell it burning. I can't understand what is going on i feel like maybe they're having the same problem that they did when they try to do different directors for the the sequel trilogy like get one director in and just direct the whole freaking season don't don't mix and match this crap right like just get one season in you you don't have to do multiple seasons do the whole season so at least it's consistent i i get i get why they don't but i also don't get why they don't it's just it, it boggles my mind yeah, and Mike, I feel like this whole season to me sort of feels like they're trying to copy The Godfather Part 2 with the flashbacks going back and forth to the past timeline, friends timeline. We have a deal with the five families at the end of the episode, which we've been waiting for since the trailer. So I feel like they're trying to imitate The Godfather Part 2 and doing it poorly. Oh, yeah, it, it is. If that's what they're going for, uh, what is the imitation is like something like form of flattery. In this case, no, it is absolutely... I, I just, I don't know. I, I agree with Pete that in a show like this, it might help to have a, a singular vision for for the whole season. Um, I know you have shows like Game of Thrones where they'd have a few directors per season, but I mean, I guess at least the early seasons, the showrunners were very strong and had a very strict outline of what needed to be done and and whatnot, so everything felt consistent. Um, this you go from like a Robert Rodriguez directed episode or Danny Trejo randomly shows up into this. And it's just, it's the difference is it's jarring. Yeah. Nick, I want to touch on this before we go on to the, fi- the to the last supper here. We've been waiting for all season here. And the point that Pete and Mike have both made about the director thing, because there's also something that Mando has famously done where they have different directors for all the episodes. They don't seem to have this kind of issue with the thing. I think it's more of a issue with, I don't think there was a lot of story here to begin with. And again, we're going back to, we're trying to stretch out this one little piece of information we need to push the Mandalores forward. And we're trying to build a story. It doesn't make sense around it. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I mean, not everyone loves the MCU. Most people like it. Not everyone loves it, but they don't have the same director and their story follows, you know, smoothly. Stories at the least of anyone's issues when it comes to MCU movies, people like all the comedy, whatever, but, I don't think it's an issue, the director thing. I think it's an issue. What you said is that this is supposed to be a movie. And then it wasn't a movie. And then it turned into a TV show. And movies are only two hours. TV shows are six or seven. Six, six or seven hours. They didn't have enough at all. 
They don't have enough material for the show. They had to kill with flashbacks for the first four episodes of the season, really. Probably was like, what, would you say 60 to 70% flashbacks? I, say, I would. I'd say about 60. Yeah, and now we're assuming it's over, I think. I think the flashbacks are over. And the last three episodes are going to be war. And I have my theory on what happens next episode. We'll get to it at the end, but I believe that this show suffers from a lack of direction that goes beyond the directors. I think it sounds weird because the directors are supposed to direct it. I think it goes back to Favreau. Yeah, I think it goes back to Favreau's story here, which is fine in its own, but it it's like a it's like a three episode show that can be split in two parts, like three episodes of past, three episodes of now, done. Instead, it's seven episodes and it's throwing me all over the place. Yeah, I think that's. I'm really excited for what's to come, which is why I'm trending upwards. But I can see exactly why when Pete says he's trending down, I don't disagree with him. Yeah, I don't either. And I think let's get to this last supper scene here where we have the three crime syndicates meeting with Boa and Fennec. We've been promised scene since the trailer. Fortunately, no ruling for spec mentioned here, Pete, but we do see that Boba does kind of get them, get their attention by dining, putting the dining table over the Rancor's pit. So I think that was a interesting strategic choice. Another 180 in the episode. I'm not going to rule a fear. Oh, let me put the dinner table over the Rancor. Uh, is that not ruling with fear? Is that not manipulating and, and trying to persuade someone with fear? Just because he didn't kill anyone doesn't mean he's not using fear. Total 180. Didn't like it at all. Mike, that My thought you? process on that, though, was that he was told last episode that no one respects him, and he has to learn how to incorporate some fear into his leadership. That's what I thought. It's fair. That is a fair point, and I, and I agree with you. But well, it's, it's to me, it's, it's not growth. It's, again, like that he changes. It's not little by little saying, like, if he goes into town and messes some guy up for stealing, that's a little bit of fear. Like, look what I could do. Not, I'm going to use the beast that Jabba used to kill all of his right. enemies. Yeah, yeah, true. I think it was too quick and too just like, boom, in your face. I have a rank. And too mirroring Jabba, like exactly. Jabba right, mirror. right. So it just, it seemed to me like, okay, you're going to just be like Jabba then if you're going to use the Rancor to your advantage. Yeah, Mike, did that bother you how quickly we use the Rancor as basically as the big stick to try and scare the crime families into following what was lead? Uh, yeah, it's just, it's a jarring switch. And I think it's a product of spending so much time in the flashbacks as opposed to the present day storyline where like Pete said, you can see him go into town and if someone does something he doesn't like, maybe he roughs them up, scares them a little bit. And you can see that growth. Like you don't see him struggle with these thoughts, with what he wants to do and what he might have to do. And it's just, again, zero consistency with the character at all. And like maybe this is going to be him moving forward, but it doesn't feel earned at all. Yeah, it was a quick heel turn. And Nick, what ends up happening here at this dinner is obviously he tries to get them on his side. They say, hey, like, we barely know you from a hole in the wall. Why are we sacrificing our forces to you? So Boa comes to the compromise and says, hey, here's what we're going to do. You're going to play Switzerland. And... If the pikes go to you, you're going to plead neutrality and not get involved on either side, and I'll take care of this problem. So I think given his lack of relationship building here with those parties, I feel like that's probably the best he could have gotten. 
Yeah, and they're not going to do it. Uh, the only reason they said they were going to do it is because they were on top of a rancor pit. That's you know that's yeah. why they said that. And they're in their mind, if the rancor is not in Mos Espa, he can't hurt us. But what they don't know is Boba's going to ride the rancor to Mos Espa, <laughs> and it is going to hurt. Him. So that's pretty clear. That's going to happen. That's they're they that's they're they're going to turn on him. Very obvious. But I thought the meeting was kind of cool, seeing like the different species there. I don't know. I kind of liked it. Um, uh, I enjoyed that scene. Also, you saw the little uh, rat catcher guy was there. Yeah, right. So Boba kept him around. Yeah, Mike's favorite droid. Yeah, and I, I just found it weird, and I guess the reason why is so he can use the Rancor, but I found it weird that he put the dinner table in the throne room. This is a giant palace. You don't have a dining room? <laughs> I get why he did it, but like you really, there's a giant palace with how how big is that? Like, this thing's huge, and you yeah. see it from up close. I I really don't think they had they could have. I think they could have found another place to eat. I mean, last isn't e- there another episode where they're eating? It was last episode, Pete. Like Lily, he was he and Fennec were sitting at the dinner table in a different room, and they just have to had the droids bring a table into the Francor pit for that little scheme they're doing. Yeah, your guess is as good as mine when it comes to that. However, you wanted to rule with fear, and you wanted the Rancor to be. His backup plan. Yeah. If they're not listening to me, Rancor is going to get hungry. Oh, he, you'd see like, oh, he gets a little hungry. Like it, not a good look for someone who says he wants to rule with respect. He's playing out of Jabba's book. It's the book of, of Jabba the Hutt now. I mean, you, you just, you're just going to use his rule. You're, you're not being different. So again, if that's how he wanted to do it from the beginning, fine. Kudos to you. But the, the, the one eighties in this show and especially just this episode is just beyond me. Yeah, and we get to the end of the episode, Mike, and we see after the crime families leave that Boba and Fennec say, hey, you know, like, we have to get an army together. The Pikes are coming for us. And they say, like, Fennec says, oh, hey, you have credits. Like, you can use the credits to go get help. And then we get the little Mando flare. So, obviously, you know what's coming there. At first, I want to address one other thing to you. It's like, Boba Fett has totally been gone for, like, five years and living with the Tusken Raiders for a long time. Like, where did all his credits come from? I don't know, unless they're implying he's made that much in tribute already from people who don't respect him or fear him at all. Um, unless, I mean, maybe Bib Fortuna had just the, like a treasury yeah. full of stuff that he inherited, maybe. But again, it's just something they kind of just sloppily and lazily throw in there without explaining or better yet, showing how that's the case. Yeah, Nick, I mean, it's not like exactly like Boba Fett's banking at the, at, at the Imperial Bank dropping off all his credits after his bounties. I'm sure he's like... Well, he might be, because the bank is definitely corrupt, as we know, because they joined the Separatists in, in the Clone Wars, the international banking clan, that is. So it's possible that he just used the bank. Yeah, but like, after a possible. certain point, don't, don't your funds just get locked away if you don't access them? Now, I mean, I don't know how the the rules. I don't know if there's an FDIC in the galaxy as there is here. I don't know, but I mean, it does. It is either way. Even if it can be explained, it is a bit, you know, all over the place. So I don't think it's ridiculous, but at the same time, it's like, all right, well, that kind of just came out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Well, we do have a good friend who is involved in banking. You text him and see if he has an answer on this. We can get for the end of the podcast. Is it me? 
No, I was asking you if you could oh. te text uh, our friend Justin, who works for bank, works in a bank. Oh, well, I, I work at a bank as well. So, you, do you have do you have a knowledge of this? Well, in real life, I, I, it's it's not really that normal. If they assumed you were dead, you probably would not have your money anymore. But that, this isn't really real life, you know. Yeah, and we'll, so I don't know if it's the same. That's what I'm. That's what I'm getting at. Okay, so we'll put the, we'll chuck up as a plot hole, and then we'll go to P here. When you hear the Mando flare at the end of the episode. And they basically said to you, hey, somebody's coming. Probably Mando, but somebody from that show is coming. So did that get you confused, excited? What was the emotion when you heard that? They ruined a surprise. I mean, like, all Fennec had to do was say, you can hire muscle with the right amount of credits, and that's it. You don't – that will imply he has to hire someone that you haven't seen yet in the show. You don't have to give it, hey, the Mandalorian. Like, okay, now we know it's one someone from Mandalorian. It probably is the Mandalorian. I mean, like, he's the one that you can hire with credits. Like, you, they just laid it up. You, you have this opportunity, just like you did with Black K, to have some sort of shock and awe value to the show. Some, not all. I mean, I think when we saw Book of Boba Fett and we saw Boba Fett in Mandalorian, there had to be some sort of you know, tie in, like we all kind of had that idea, but like you literally keep just, they just spoon feed us this. And it's probably not coming until the end of the season. It's probably not coming next episode. If it does, it's going to be very interesting to see if let's say the Mandalorian shows up next episode. If, if Mandalorian is going to be part of every episode up until the end, or he's in the, the, the random episode in the middle and then you don't see him again. Like it, they could have just left it alone at what Fennec said. And that was it. Yeah, Mike, where did you fall on hearing the Mando flare at the end of the episode? Um, I agree with Pete that it kind of gives away whatever surprise they might be going for. I mean, I, I think he's definitely going to show up. Again, probably not next episode. I'd say earliest would be episode six. But yeah, I guess, I don't know. It's like a weird thing. It's almost like they didn't have, while making the show, didn't have enough faith that the show itself would keep people interested and involved. So they felt the need to throw this in at the end to get people talking and excited. And it's worked. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it has worked, but I don't know. I, I think it shows that they probably know the show's not their strongest. And I agree with that. I think uh, Pete said before that it's probably going to be a, a one season show. Yeah, I think that's in the whole point. And Nick, before we get to the trackers here, give me your take on the Mando flare showing up and that the hint is like, hey, he's coming. I thought it was great. I don't think it necessarily hints at him. I'll get into that when we do our predictions at the end. But it reminds me of last season of Mandalorian. You met, if you remember, we had to wait every other episode for something and we knew it was coming. So Bo-Katan says, you have to go meet a Jedi. Her name is Ahsoka. That happened same way this happened. There, there was a random episode where he did nothing. Then he met, then he met Ahsoka. Ahsoka says you need to bring him to the pillar so he can call to a Jedi. So we know what's coming the next episode. He goes to the pillar, or whatever. I don't know if it's called the pillar, but whatever it was. And then he calls for a Jedi, so we know a Jedi's coming. And then Luke comes. So I don't think this is something that they've never done before. I think it's very normal, and I think I'm gonna save it. We're going to, I have my prediction on what's going to happen and I'm pretty damn sure of it too. Now, after we've gotten this much and all the information that we have. So when we get to our prediction section, I'll, I'll go there. All right. I'm also going to say here, I do feel like that they did kind of 
give it away. So our bookend the episode where we give you the flair reminder everybody that we're in Mando season one, and then we get the flair at the end. I do think, hey, he's probably coming. If he doesn't, we're gonna get somebody from the show showing up to help out the cause. And I think sort of again, it's all connected. We're following the MCU model, so it makes total sense they're gonna do it. And this sort of tee up the audience in a way to get them excited. And I think that Mike is right that they sort of knew that. The show was not the greatest on its own, so the connection is going to sort of pull it up by its bootstraps and get the audience more invested. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess, I mean, Nick brought up a good point in how they do it. I feel like this is a little bit different, though. Like, I can't really explain why it's different. It honestly just might be the strength of the show or the lack of strength compared to how good the Mandalorian was. All right, let's go ahead now to our tracker section here where we keep track a bunch of things every week on the podcast. Go to our character draft. Mike, you were not here when we did this character draft preseason, and we basically have a bet going on between myself, Nick, and Pete. We each drafted teams of three, see who would show up the most. As of right now, nobody has gotten a point yet because this show isn't so cameo light aside from Pelly Motto, but I'll give you a rundown of the teams, and... Based on what we know in the episode, we'll see how you think we're doing here. Nick's team, as of right now, is Omega, Bo-Katan, and Mando himself. What do you think of Nick's chances of having somebody show up? Uh, after this episode, specific, specifically the end, I think he's going to get two. All right, so he, he's got his board. Pete is in trouble here because we usually have the stakes that the winner gets a Hondo, like, pop fi- Funko Pop figure paid for by the other two. The second place winner only pays for shipping. Third place pays for the figure. Pete's team right now is Moff Gideon, Hunter, and Sabine from Rebels. So what do you think about Pete's team? Uh, hmm. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Pete sort of knows he's in trouble anyway. I'm screwed. I'm done. You have to hope. It's I don't think you are. We'll talk in the predictions. You have to hope that Sabine gets higher. I feel like that's your best bet here. I mean, the only other thing is Hunter. I mean, the Bad Batch did turn into a muscle for hire kind of thing, and they need an army. So, I mean, the Bad Batch may. It's not crazy. It's not, I, I don't think it'll happen, but it's not crazy. All right. Now, my team, Mike. I have Hondo, which I'm losing faith in by the minute as this episode goes on. I'm not going to see him. Cad Bane, who I think could definitely show up here as part of the uh, task uh, bounty hunting task force that they bring together to fight the Pikes, and Chopper from Rebels. So, what do you think about my squad? Um, I mean, Honda would it would make sense, yep. you know. I think that at least initially was a good pick. Yeah, but like you said, as the season progresses, I feel like the chances are kind of dwindling. Um, so you know, I, I think. I think Nick's got the strongest team. Yeah, I think this episode... I, 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 didn't, I didn't think I did last week, too. I thought I was definitely going to lose. Yeah, I think it swung from me to Nick very hard over the span of, like, one episode. Yeah. We'll see. Eventually, we'll update this. And now, our trackers, as we do for the other things going on here. Hondo is still at 18 total appearances, and P, I don't think we're updating this one this season. I think I'm gonna, almost got ready to put it to bed. Listen, the way that this season has gone, you never know. Uh, you never know. I think you'll see Hondo one more time in one of these live action shows, and that's it. I think that will become 19, and that's it. Maybe even in Obi Wan. I think in Obi Wan, he's going to be there. Yeah, so I think you'll see that number become 19, and that's the highest we'll see it. 
All right. In terms of the other ones, it got more interesting here. Bo-Katan at 13 appearances. She could show up now that the they're going to go look for higher guns, so she could be there, Nick. I hope. I hope. You hope. Also, the Darksaber now relevant at 13. And Mando Shelby's probably bringing that with him, Mike. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I can see that. Uh, if he shows up, which I think is a strong possibility, he should have it unless this show has... Uh, extends their poor storytelling techniques <laughs> to other characters yeah. and he should have it all right uh next up here the animated cat characters nick do should we count the uh rat catcher droids and animated character oh um his first appearance was clone wars right yes i, I guess so then right uh p any strong feelings on that i think it's fair if he started there, then I guess, right? All right. So, Mike, you approve? Yeah, I say go for it. All right. So we have one on the board here. The Rat Catcher Droid has now gotten us off the zero on animated characters. So good job from him. The Mando character is at one, but Pete clearly know that's going up in like a week, a week or two. Yeah, I mean that's inevitable. Yeah, hopefully. And this one I was disappointed in because, Mike, we love this in the trailer, the respect tracker. He did not mention at this dinner that he's ruling with respect, and given his actions here, I don't think we're going to hear it again. I, I think it's going to come. He, he might say it in, like, a ton of regret, like, oh, I tried to rule with respect, but it didn't work. So I think you might hear it again, but not in the same context as we have. So, Mike, Pagan, that is, you can appreciate this because Mike on the top there, Phillips, I guess will be the top for me and the number you have him. And Pete also had never seen Game of Thrones. So I had mentioned earlier in the season that I thought of this little respect reminded me, because I thought it was going to keep happening, of the way Jon Snow acts towards um, Daenerys. How he, like, keeps saying, she's my queen, she's my queen, I'll bend the knee up. I thought it was going to be like that often, and it's only happened once. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm kind of happy it didn't go uh No, I am, too. I am, too. I am, too. Um, but again, it's almost like what I was saying before, how you might hear it again, just in the different context, speaking of Game of Thrones, it might be Robert Baratheon season one, like, oh, you think honor keeps the peace, you think honor keeps them aligned, it's it's fear, fear and blood. So it might be along those lines, you might hear uh, him say that. All right, let's go ahead now to the MVP and LVP board. Here's what we have so far through three episodes, Mike, so just to catch you up on what's been going on here. Our leaderboard with the MVP points is Boba Fett himself at plus four. Then in second place, a tie at plus two between Fennec Shan and the Cyberpunk Power Rangers. Both made the positives. Uh, next up here, the last positive here, the Gamorrean Guards from me, episode one, got a point. The negatives, the Tusken Raiders, thanks to Nick, negative one. The Rodian Prisoner who gets stirred by the Sand Creature, negative one. The Twins, negative one. The Towel Rack, courtesy of Mike Brescia, gets a negative one and LVP point. Madam Garza gets negative two, and the mayor assistant, who we did not see this episode, but apparently he was squealing in the detention area, negative three, drag, bring up the rear here. So we're going to accentuate the positive here. So, Pete, your MVP of this episode. Uh, Pete, you're muted. Muted, Pete. That would help if I muted. Thank <laughs> you. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Fennec. Um, I think that she was really cool in the in the scenes, you know, mostly flashbacks, but I just, I feel like um, she did the most when Boba didn't. So she's my MVP. Uh, Nick, your MVP. 
Fennec. I think she is a badass. And just something to think about. Because I don't think that anyone's ever thought about this. I don't want an answer from you guys. Just think about it. Do we fully trust Fennec? That's all. Just think about it. They did they did raise the question this I, episode. Yeah, I just never I never thought about it at all until this week. And it's like, did I do I fully trust her? I think I did. I always did, but now now that I don't, I'm just starting to think about it. Yeah, the seeds implanted. Yeah. Uh Mike, your MVP. So I feel like I should say Fennec, but I'm gonna go with Black K for redeeming himself and just destroying those Trandoshans in the bar, drinking some beer and getting a job. It's a, it's a productive afternoon for him. Yeah. It was a productive afternoon for a guy who was spilling uh beer, beer down his beard. Yeah, that's right. I mean, man was enjoying himself. Yeah. I'm going to join the Fennec train on the MVP side here just because she did kick ass this episode and like she's taking names. She's got the cybernetic. She's, Working with Boba Fett helps him get the ship back. Her gadgets help out a lot. So great episode for Fennec. So and I'll put her into the overall lead ahead of Boba Fett. I think he's well deserved, Pete. I agree. I definitely agree. She definitely, um, definitely kicked ass in this episode and and uh, was actually useful. Yeah. Let's go the other direction now. The LVP. So Nick, I'm going to go to you first. Who's your LVP of this episode? You have to come back to me, uh, Mike. Do you have one? Yes, I'm going to go with uh, Madam Garza. Yeah. She gave this whole long, flowery, what she thinks is a persuasive speech to Black A to calm him down, feeding his ego, flattering him, and he does not listen and just leaves uh, Trandoshan limbs on the floor of her bar casino thing. All right. Uh, Pete, your LVP. Boba Fett himself. Just again, <laughs> shows how useless he is. Can't even work his own ship correctly against the Sarlacc pit, which he shouldn't have even been there to begin with. Forgets that he had armor on. I mean, it does 180 with Black K and, and the ruling with respect now using fear. It, not a good look for him. LVP is Boba Fett. All right. I'm going to throw in third name on the board here. One who is not physically in the episode, but is responsible for some of the stuff in here. I'm giving Bib Fortune an LVP for hiring horrible security for his palace because... He has dozens. Yeah, you can play about Boba's security. Forget it. Look at this guy's security. But Bib Fortuna has dozens of Gamorians and Weequays and droids, and he lets two people steal a ship from him. So Bib Fortuna, horrible job hiring the staff. So LVP for Bib. Well, I have mine, Mike. Yeah. And, you know, this whole episode, we've been pointing out, well, why this, why that, why this, why that? And they all have a common theme. Yeah. Boba. I think Boba's the LVP. He's, he's, uh, and uh, it pains me to say this, but he's not what I thought he was. And when you think about it, it's it's kind of ridiculous for me to say that he had like six minutes of screen time, screen time in the episode five and six combined, and he was a little kid in two, and he's in the Clone Wars a little bit, not really. So like, how could I have painted a picture of him? But this is not the picture I painted. He's like an animal lover. He's gentle. He's like this is not what I thought. And I don't mind how we're getting to know these creatures more. Like, the, I, like I don't like the Tusken Raiders, but like it was nice to get to know them on a personal level a little bit. And the Rancor was nice too. But now the Bantha too. Like every single creature in Star Wars now, we need to humanize and learn more about. Like some, some of them, it's better to just leave alone and say the Bantha is terrifying. 
you don't want to go near one unless you're a Tusken Raider because you ride them, and if you're not a Tusken Raider, they'll kill you. Like, that's fine to leave it at that with some characters. It's okay. Yeah, and Mike, we didn't, I didn't think we realized this. Apparently, Bib Fortuna is a member of Star Wars PETA. What happened? I'm, I'm sorry. I said I think, he's, uh, he apparently is the founding member of the Star Wars PETA Society. Bib Fortuna is? I'm, I'm no, lost. No, Boba. I'm sorry. Oh, Boba. Yeah. Yeah, no, he... he... Are you, yeah, you definitely said Bib. That's why I was confused, too. I think I wrote Bib down on the LVP board. Is why uh. I was confused. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's he's all about those animals and riding those animals. and Bantha babies. Oh, yeah, that was just... like I, I, I chuckled a little bit, but like, like Nick was saying, for Boba Fett, it just seems so out of character. Again, for a character that we knew for six minutes yeah. total prior to this. That's just, yeah. All right. Let's go now to the episode grades. As of right now, entering the week, we had Chapter 2, Street, The Tribes of Tatooine, was our number one episode with a 7 overall. Chapter 1, Stranger of Strange Land, was number 2 with a 6. Chapter 3, The Streets of Most Estimate, was down to a 5.67. So let's go ahead and do our grades now for episode, for Chapter 4. Nick, do you want to go first? Yeah, I mentioned to you off the air that I wanted to change my grade from last week from an 8 to a 7. And also, this week's episode, I want to give it an 8. Because you're going to 8 this week. Yeah, because I just think this, I think this was an 8, but I like this one more than last week. So, like, for me, it's, like, kind of hard to be like they were both on the same 8, if that makes sense. All right. Uh, Mike, your episode grade. On a scale I'm going to give it a... I'm going to give it a 6. I said, I think it's the best episode of the season pretty clearly but still not a very good episode of television uh pete you're great i'm gonna go with a six as well um the past three episodes i've given a five because it's just everything was just resetting and, and it just didn't make sense to me um i try to judge the episodes by the full episode in its entirety um they only reset a little bit so they didn't reset the main storyline, but they definitely reset values and also plot decisions that they made. So, for example, Boba Fett hiring Black K when he could have just done it the episode prior. And also the ruling with respect thing is kind of out the window right now, if you think about it with the Rancor. Um, but I give it a six because it was the it was better than the first three. Um, so went up a little bit for me. I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10. This is sort of differentiate between episode two, which I gave an eight also. I like this one a little better. So I'm giving it an eight and a half. Yeah, I, I I liked it. I think that we are, we've talked about it. I think we're set up. Finally. It reminds me of, I'm going back to Game of Thrones here. It reminds me of when Daenerys set sail for Westeros. We're set up, except that ended up in disaster. I'm hoping this doesn't. Yeah, we're hoping it doesn't either, and I will recalculate the Chapter 3 grade next week. I'll let you know what's going on there, and we're going to wrap up here with some predictions for Chapter four, chapter 5 of the podcast, and Chapter 4 predictions. I'll go back and reset some of these. We all kind of hit on some things here. Nick said the dinner finally happens. He missed on Boss being at dinner. We all sort of kind of had an idea about Revenge of the Biker Gang. I'll point that out here, and... Pete had the point here. Pete said, in the past, Revenge on the Biker Gang was Fennec Chan. So, the only one who got both of those points correct. I mean, I didn't get the character predictions in the beginning, so I might as well get an episode prediction, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think my din. I also my best correction here was dinner to unite the clans against the Pikes, which I think was, that was the point of the dinner. And he also, I said Boma gets his ship back, but I did say he was going to pick up Cad Bane with his ship. So that that did not happen, Mike. Yeah, no, I mean she got something though. So that's uh, and with this show, no consistency in it whatsoever. Getting anything right is pretty impressive. All right, let's go to chapter five. Pete, give me a prediction. I think we're only do present now because there's we not we think we're done with the past. Well, one of my predictions is that there will be a flashback. I think they have a lot more to tell in the in the past that they want to. Um, and I also think we're gonna get that Mandalorian character next episode. I don't think they're waiting. I think they're gonna mess it up and they're gonna reveal it too quickly and maybe even get rid of the character in some way before the end of the season. Okay, so Manual character shows up now when he leaves before the big fight. Yeah, let's 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 keep it because you know he may leave, or uh, he or she may leave uh, before the last episode. So it's technically not a chapter five prediction. So let's just say the Mando character shows up in chapter five because the Mando character is here. That's the prediction, and there's flashback. Uh, Nick, your prediction. I would like to go last if you don't mind. All right, uh, Mike, your prediction. Uh, I say. Black K kills someone. And I believe things are going to go very poorly for Boba in the next episode. I feel like everyone he thinks is either on his side or are neutral are going to betray him. And he's going to find himself vastly outnumbered. To say Boba gets screwed over by a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. That sums it up. Yeah. So basically, you're saying like, all those gangs that he was working with to turn against him. Maybe the, the cyberpunk kids decided to go work somewhere else, something like that. Yeah, I don't know about the cyberpunk kids. I feel like they're kind of invested in them being just misunderstood uh, youth. But I say like, like Madame Garza, something like that. Maybe the mayor comes back. Pretty much all those people who are a little shady are going to come full out against him. Like the twins come back. I would I would like for them to come back, honestly. I found them to be very interesting characters. I know I know you don't like them, but I thought I don't know, I thought they were a fresh thing to to throw into the show. I'm gonna say next week is going to be when we get the recruiting tour where Boba Fett just flies around the ship and goes to recruit some allies. We get at least three new additions to the team. Somebody from the Mandoverse. I would say Cad Bane and Bosco are three main additions to next to the team. So this is the recruiting hour for Boba Fett. Uh, Nick, you're up now. All right. So what I want to get at is, first off, I'm more giving a prediction for the end of the season than I am next episode, if that's okay. So let me let me just give you the next episode first, and then I'll go into my little theory here. The next episode, I believe they're going to remain in Mos Espa. Black K is going to get himself in some sort of trouble, and Boba's going to have to deal with the trouble, and it's going to be like with the Pikes or with one of the families that was at the dinner, and you're going to see those people turning on him slowly. So I think it's going to be a boring episode. But you kind of talked about this, Mike. This is called... The Book of Boba Fett, right? Yes. That's the name of the show. It takes place in a certain universe. What's the name of that universe, Mike? Star Wars. That's right. Not Sand Wars. We need to go into the stars. He needs to go somewhere. Episode 6 is directed and written by Dave Filoni. I think 
there's a bold prediction. I think episode six will be the live action debut of the planet Mandalore. I think he's going to Mandalore to recruit Mandalorian and the Mandalorians. I think he will not get the Mandalorian. He will get the Mandalorians, Bo-Katan, Sasha Banks, Sabine, maybe. And they will come back with him to protect at the end of six. And then in seven, we'll have the all-out war where Bosk will be there on the side against Boba. And at the end, he will turn to Boba's side with the help of the Mandalorians and the female Tusken Raider will come in Doctor Strange's portal probably. And and he's going to ride into town on the on Ever. the Rancor to kill off the crime families and the Pikes. And then I think your prediction will turn out correct that we find out at the end that it was not the Pikes running the show. It was Crimson Dawn ran by Thrawn. Yeah, that's my bold prediction for the entire show, Mike. So what do you think about that? I, I like that. Um, different direction than what I would go in. I think I, I kind of stole this from someone on Reddit, but that uh, Boba Fett's going to recruit uh, the Mandalorian and the Mandalorians and that he'll offer them kind of safe haven in his territory on Tatooine as they prepare to retake or repopulate Mandalore. And I feel like this is going to be a one-off season and that's going to lead into season three of the Mandalorian, which will be all about, I think, retaking Mandalore. Yeah. So there we have it. It's a good place to wrap it up here. And I want to thank you, Mike, for coming on here. And I give every guest the chance here. You don't have to, if you don't want to, if you have any place you want people to follow on social media, you can give that out here. Otherwise we're good to go. Uh, no, I'm not a big social media person. Okay. I don't have anything to promote, but thank you guys for having me on. Uh, you made me realize how woefully behind I am on the certain Star Wars lore. Uh, so I need to catch up and refresh on some things. But uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. No problem. And Pete, if you want to find social media, I'm going to do that. At PJ Considori 29 on Twitter. Um, and Mike, don't worry. Nick makes us feel that way all the time. Uh, he's just he's always getting like these little little like tidbits of information that connect everything together. I'm just like, how did, how did I not know that? So don't worry, you're not alone. Uh, Nick is the, the master when it comes to all this. So, um, but yeah, no, thanks for having me, Mike. Mike, thanks for joining. All right, absolutely. And Nick, if you want to follow you on social media, they don't do that yet because you're not giving out the handle yet, but who was your file recommendation of the week? Um, NY Giants. So I think it's time we get ourselves a general manager. Um, or better yet, make some advancements towards that. I think we have some good candidates. I'm happy with the way we're actually progressing. Although, uh, maybe Chris Maris sneaks in at the end and steals the job. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll put that out there. I talk about the Giants this week on the regular podcast, just in the suffering. I was joined by Daryl Slayer, the Star Ledger. Talk about that. There are division round picks with fellow Star Wars fan John Stanko. That episode is out in the main feed if you want to check that out. If you want this episode, on the Just and Suffering feed, you can get it on the weekend. But Pete, if they want it sooner, they can subscribe to the Just to the Sky Guys feed, the Star Wars feeds. Could be out the day after we record. You guys have to sign up for that feed. I'm telling you, you're getting it the day after we record, which is usually just a couple days after the episode. So definitely, definitely get on that feed. Yeah, and Nick, if they like what they're getting here in this feed, they should take the time, leave some reviews, leave some star ratings. You know, help spread the word to other Star Wars fans. Yeah, let us know how we did because I want to know how I can improve and so does everyone else. So 
if we missed anything, maybe we did it on purpose. So you'll leave a comment and tell us why. Yeah, maybe we're omitting information, Mike. Or tell us what. Yeah. That's a bold strategy, Cotton. See if it pays off. We'll see if it pays off. We'll be back next week to recap Chapter 5 of the Book of Boba Fett. Until then, have a good week, everyone. Hey!